Hey guys, thank you for listening to the Pilgrims Podcast. My name is Aaron. Today, I want to talk about the Old Testament. I think there is a ton that we can gain from the Old Testament if we understand it in the correct light. And what I mean by that is by understanding that the Old Testament has a future that is fulfilled in the New Testament. So a lot of the things that we see in the Old Testament and that we read, uh, maybe like prophecies or uh, things like that, actually find their fulfillment in the New Testament. Well, they find their fulfillment in Christ. So that is one of the things that I want to talk about today is the Christ-centeredness of the Old Testament. And the reason I want to do this is because I've been going through a lot of Old Testament books recently. And I think it's very important for believers to understand the Christ-centeredness of the Old Testament and how those stories, especially like stories with David and with the judges, um, how they relate to Jesus and how they relate to the New Testament. And I, I think it will benefit Christians greatly to understand that there's a deep connection, a true connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, not just through prophecies that are fulfilled, which is a, an um, amazing thing to look into and to learn about, but another thing that that I think Christians will benefit from knowing is the fact that uh, God never changes, and His you see the same consistent themes of God's glory and God being victorious throughout scripture. And I think that is a great thing to understand and read uh, in the Bible. And today I actually just want to go through um, a couple of things that we can keep in mind when reading the Old Testament. So the first thing I think to pay special attention to in the Old Testament is the use of God's promises, because God's promises always uh, are fulfilled if they're God's promises, there's a lot of great instances where uh, God keeps uh, his promises and you see him in the Old Testament making promises to his specific people, which are believers, and they're actually fulfilled then later in the New Testament. And, uh, you know, I can think of a lot like, you know, we have the promises with Abraham that are, are still being uh, fulfilled, you know, up until the end of times. And we uh, also, obviously, the, the big one in the Old Testament is, is the, the uh, promises that are given to David about, about David's lineage. And, and these all have all started, uh, you know, in Genesis. There, there's one really um, great picture of God keeping his own promises that I love, which is in Genesis. And it's where God... Uh, is making a promise with Abraham. It's it's in Genesis chapter fifteen. So God's covenant with Abram. What what happens? It says this. It says after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, 
this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to to number them, which, you know, he can't. (laughs) Then he said to him, uh, God said to Abram, so shall your offspring be. And he, Abram, believed the Lord and he counted and he counted it to him as righteousness. And for the rest of that chapter, what happens is God makes this promise to Abram and then God actually goes through a certain ceremony that happened when two people would make an agreement with each other. And what happened is uh, the, the tradition was that you would cut all of these animals in half. Uh, in, in the scripture in, in 15, he says, you know, bring me a, a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And when Abram brought all these, Abram, you know, he cuts them in half. And the, the goal was for both parties to actually walk through this trail of blood together and to to seal that uh, agreement and they would both have the blood you know on themselves and 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 that that's what would happen so what happened is god actually they were both supposed to so i think abram was expecting god to walk through this trail with him but what happened is god actually puts abram to sleep and God walks through the uh, procession by himself. And this shows that God is actually the one who's fulfilling this promise, not Abram. And I think that's actually a, a very consistent theme throughout Scripture. Now, obviously, in the Old Testament, there are you know different kinds of promises. There are promises that are you know conditional on, what the people do and there, but there are promises as well um, that are unconditional. And usually the ones that are unconditional are the one that are the, or pretty much always the ones that are unconditional are always the one that God fulfills. And, and then we continue to see them fulfilled throughout scripture. So one of the great things that we can understand about scripture and learn about is, is God's promises and how they're fulfilled. And if you consistently have that thought in your mind when you're reading scripture and you recognize the promises that God has uh, promised since the very beginning, like since the, the beginning where he promised Eve that one of her descendants will crush the head of the serpent, then I think you'll have a more complete view of scripture. And when you read, if you read through the Old Testament and get to the point where Jesus fulfills these things, you know, I think there will be a lot more understanding there and a lot more um, re- respect for uh, for what's actually happening and what's actually being said in, in Scripture. Another thing that I think we can look at when we read the Old Testament is typology. And basically what typology is, it's understanding that certain, that persons, events, and they, they actually paint partial pictures of Jesus. So uh, people, for example, we will see pictures of of Jesus in people in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, obviously, so we can look at David, you know, there's sometimes where King David of the Old Testament, 
uh, he is a picture of Christ and some, you know, maybe things that he does uh, points towards Christ and what Christ is going to do. And, um, and, uh, you know, not obviously not when they sin and things like that because they're human, but, uh, you know, persons, events and, and, and things like the temple, you know, the, the building the temple and having the temple and the interactions of the people and the priests with the temple uh, is, is supposed to paint a picture of how Jesus or how God is going to interact with his bride, the church. And uh, we see this all throughout the Old Testament. So typology is understanding, you know, persons, events. That, that, that these things actually paint pictures of Jesus. So I think if we can understand that and just keep that in mind when we're reading, then, you know, that will enhance your understanding of where Christ shows up and, and how uh, people and events actually uh, mimic Christ and, and, and they show, you know, things that are, that are going to happen in the future and how Christ interacts with his people. Another thing to pay attention to is lineage. You know, Jesus is uh, called a lot of times in scripture, the son of David. And there's actually a reason for that. At the beginning of Matthew, you know, you have the, uh, that whole genealogy there. And that's important because that proves that Jesus is actually who he says he is. And Jesus does things when he during his time here on earth that are recorded in the New Testament that actually fulfill the prophecies of Scripture. And one of those prophecies is, is Jesus's lineage. And, you know, we can clearly see that in Matthew at the beginning when it when the genealogy is traced down. But if you're paying attention when you read the Old Testament, you'll start to see, you know, how uh, how God shifts things and, and his control of, of, you know, who marries who and, and what tribes do what in the old Testament. And, and you see a, a consistent theme of God, uh, you know, carrying his people, uh, his, his, you know, uh, his people down through history, um, it, you know, until the point where we have Joseph and Mary, uh, you, you know, leaving because, or, you know, going back to, uh, Jesus's place of birth because of a census, and that even f- fulfills prophecy as well. So Jesus's lineage is very important to understand and pay attention to um, in history because it actually fulfills a prophecy and has a very specific point uh, because Jesus has called things like the son of David and 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 yeah, line- lineage is very important. And if you can, you know, if you have the ability to trace that down or like listen to somebody who knows how to do that very well. Uh, I think that will give you a very a very historical view of of things. And for for me, when I study things like that, it makes the Bible so much more real for me because it's not just like because you know when I was growing up, I would hear things is you know Jesus is the Savior, but you know now I understand it in the light of like Jesus is the Savior, but also you know Jesus is the one who is promised to die for sins and be the redeemer from the beginning of time. (laughs) And God has a promised plan of redemption that Jesus is fulfilling. And, and, and the best way to understand that is to understand the relationships 
between the New and the Old Testament. So I think that that lineage is something that's very important. At least, at least for me, it makes it a lot more real, and it get, it brings a certain reality to uh, who Jesus actually was. You know, he it, it's almost like a movie when when you think about it. Sometimes, you know, you have this movie where there's the chosen one, like in Star Wars, or, you know, you have a movie where there's this one person who's supposed to set everything back into balance and to, you know, make the world great again and make, make the world how it's supposed to be good. Um, and then you have this one, this character that comes along and they're like, they're the one, <laughs> like, uh, this is the chosen one. And, and, you know, where do you, where do you think they get that story from the Bible? But it, it just, it's really great to me when I can understand uh, that, that lineage and understand that Jesus is the chosen one. He's the one who has been, uh, who, who, you know, we are, we are uh, to understand is the, the fulfillment of the prophecies in the old Testament. And he's, he's the fulfillment of God's plan of redemption. And that, that's an amazing thing for, for Christians to, to know and to meditate on. Um, and I think that'll help us, you know, when, when we understand who Jesus is and, and just the greatness of who Jesus is. Now, obviously a, a Christ centered view of, scripture especially the old testament is is taking into the account the uh, substance of the trinity you know we're, we're not saying there's you know i saw read one article of something floating around that um you know people who are reformed uh they have this this and i've never heard of this before but it, it seemed like some kind of off the cuff article that i was reading <laughs> and but it said that people who are reformed will, you know, focus only on Jesus. Uh, you know, obviously, I think it's a given. You know, when we when I'm talking about this kind of thing, that we're including the Trinity in that, and you know, each member of the Trinity has a different role. Uh, Jesus even says, um, you know, in in um, uh, when he gets baptized. Uh, in John, the you know the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Him. It says He shall glorify Me, and each member of the Trinity has their own purpose and has their own role. But that doesn't mean that they are you know different. They're the, the Catechism says they're the you know uh, same in substance, equal in power and glory. Uh, but just like any. Uh, you know, relationship. Well, God, God actually sets up the model of relationships for his people. And, uh, you know, the, God, the father, uh, you know, orchestrates the plan and the, the job of Jesus Christ is to uh, be the one who fulfills the, the promise and, uh, you know, dies for the sins of sinners. And um, he now, Jesus now sits at the right hand of the father. He doesn't stand, you know, like the priest had to do in the temple. The priest wasn't allowed to sit uh, in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. Uh, but Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of his father, uh, which is not a position of 
it's not a less lesser position, but it is a position of, uh, you know, honor because of, because of what Jesus has done, fulfilling his role. And, and uh, God, uh, the father is eternally, um, you know, satisfied with the sacrifice that Jesus made that he made of his son and Jesus is eternally glorified for that sacrifice and for being the righteous son of God. So those are just some things I wanted to talk about today. I think if you just keep a couple of these in mind, as you read your old Testament books, uh, you'll have a great understanding of how the new and the old Testament mesh and, and relate to one another. And I think having a, a Christocentric view of Scripture always uh, is is the purpose of, of of you know reading the Bible is to glorify God more and and, and see what He's doing and, and what He has done. So thank you for listening to the Pilgrims podcast. We will catch you next time. Hopefully, it won't be a super long thing, uh, you know, super long time until we have the next podcast. Um, I've just been lazy, so. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to try and do something every every Sunday. Um, so, yeah, we will catch you next time, and thank you for listening.